A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. It was the manipulation and lies that go behind it. It's the intent that when you're in a special relationship in that sense, to work and groom somebody at that level. And and I just never experienced anything like that in my life. In 2018, Glenorchy woman Emma Ferris began a relationship with Andrew Thompson. Within six months, Emma's world would be turned on its head and she'd be fighting to recover the small fortune he'd conned from her. Kia ora, I'm Jesse Mulligan. Welcome to a new season of Crimes NZ, a podcast where I talk to the people closest to some of New Zealand's most notorious crimes. In this episode, Emma Ferris opens up about how she fought back and conned a con man. Oh, well, I first met him back in 2018, and the first date was uh, it was quite an a, almost a comforting experience. It sounds really weird to say, but it was actually like just really nice to have a chat with a, a man that was um, really interesting and he had so many stories. It felt like kind of catching up with an old friend, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you felt comfortable straight away. Did you go somewhere nice? Yes, the beautiful uh, resort of Millbrook near Queenstown and Arrowtown. There's a, the, a cafe there called the 19th Hole, and it is, um, it's a beautiful spot overlooking the golf course. So really yeah, lovely space that he suggested because he was like, you know what, this is, this is where I go have my long lunches and catch up <laughs> with my work and, and colleagues. And I was like, oh, okay, this will do. Yeah, he seemed to be quite a successful guy. He painted that picture, yeah, right from the start. It was, well, before I even met, he had it on his profile that he was a successful businessman with an entrepreneur, so lots of different things on the go and been trying many things. And all the way through from that first messages to first meeting to down the track, he kept like adding to these stories, which just rolled off his tongue. They were just so easily, easily shared. And when I looked back later on, there's quite a few elements of truth in them, but just not the way that he thinks it's meant to be told. But you started to fall for him? I fooled for the comfort of having some support. So there was, it's such a funny space to be, right? So I looked at it and back and went, what was it? Because it wasn't a big attraction by any source. It was this beautiful friendship. So I thought this connection, this support and this someone on the same wavelength. And um, it felt really nice just to have this place of somebody showing up. And unfortunately for a lot of the women and men out there, that's what we're looking for is companionship. So there's nothing wrong with that. But it just kind of almost wiggled its way into my life um, and became more than it ever should have been. Was he interested in you and your life? Oh, yes, because that was ways he could then uh, use in the future manipulations. And so it was with that many ways. If I look back, there were red flags elements with that. But there are also parts of that which are normal when you're in dating. So, of course, you want someone that's going to want to know more about you and um, understand where you've come from and share your story. But particularly in that first date, there was less of me and much more about him sharing about 
his background and his stories and his family and kind of getting you to feel like he's more than he really was. This is Crimes NZ, and I'm speaking with Emma Ferris about her relationship and the con job done on her by Andrew Thompson, an entrepreneur with pretty colourful stories about his past and future ventures. Um, So, Emma, you and Andrew, fair to say, formed a relationship? Yeah, after a few weeks and after him sort of telling more stories and working on his background piece, um, then, yeah, it did end up that I formed a relationship. He told you something interesting quite early on, which is that you that you wouldn't find any information about him on Google. Mm-hmm. Big red flag, and I <laughs> see that now. And, and you know what? The first thing I did, Google him, obviously, because I was like, yeah. he's always going to be some background and some story. And I couldn't, but that's because only a few really weeks before that, he had changed his name legally in New Zealand. And I just, I didn't even think that somebody would do that in the first place. So that was a much harder to find any information out. And, I, and the thing is, I had known people that had chosen to not be on there, whether it was from their profession point of view, whether they're doctors or they had a different name, uh, and they chose not to be on there because they didn't want to get pulled into the social world. But it, it still always sat with me that it wasn't quite right for him. What did he tell you about his plans here in New Zealand? Oh, he had so many. And right from the start. So he was, he'd, he'd moved from his New Zealand, from his Australian plans, because he'd been working over there for years, building trucking companies and selling and doing uh, import business as well from America to Australia to Tasmania, where he's from. And restaurants as well. So he talked about all this past stuff over there and how easy it was for him. And then how in New Zealand he was setting up a very similar, I guess, range of businesses. He'd been working with a trucking company around New Zealand, a, a one that does cool transport, and another one in central Otago, which he was really highly involved in at a high level. And they talked about a restaurant in Queenstown which I later began to um, uncover and see how in-depth they had been pulled into the lies. Probably the biggest one and a big puzzle piece was an alcohol company based in Central as well. And he had been working on that, I guess, side con <laughs> in many ways mm. to and nurturing that before he met me. So there were so many things that he was working on, but one that he hadn't talked about even from the start, he never talked about property until he knew, until he'd found my background story about what I had done in my life to build myself up and to have success um, and, and, I guess, process after going through divorce. How, how was I working to put my life back on, um, on a financial keel in some ways? So you had said to him at some point that you were interested in property, maybe as an investment and then suddenly his interests are in property too. Is that the idea? Pretty much, yeah. And I, I'd done it before. So as, as he was sharing his background, I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I've done this. I've um, mm. built, built, built businesses as well as done um, property, small developments and investments, and they've gone really well. And I liked it. I can understand it. And uh, it was never anything that I went, oh, I really want to do that with you, right? It was him planting the seed a few months into it when he realised I wouldn't take up any other of his, I guess, kind of hooks of um, investments because <laughs> he did put some other ones out there. He had a, a um, he gaslighted me a lot, uh, which was a phrase I never knew about until that time. When yeah. And, and it's one of those experiences when you you see it in, in lots of relationships in life where people will talk about, 
oh, well, this person has said this and, and they and they think it's a really good idea. That's like one example of it. So he would talk about this um, amazing investment guy, Ari, who was based in Australia and he's the reason why he got ahead financially. And, you know, he can help you out too, babe. It can help you out. And I was like, uh, no, my gut says 100% no on that. But he would still keep coming back around and trying that and being like, it's a really good deal. He thinks you do really well here. Um, so yeah, the gaslighting was a big one and, and it still didn't feel right, but he still kept coming back. And there was one stage in February where he was like, I've got the deal for you. <laughs> the gaslighting, by the way, is, is you trusting your own judgment and thinking this isn't a deal for me and him kind of trying to make you doubt yourself by saying you're really missing out here and this actually is right for you. That, that sort of thing. Is that right? Yeah. And often using a third person as well can be yeah. it so he had a, an example of his, his accountant and his accountant he say oh my but my accountant kim is saying this is this is what i should be doing and you're missing out here and it's like she thinks it's a really good idea for you and so it would come up in different situations where it, it basically doubt yourself even though my gut brain was like 100 percent no hmm. so when did money come into the relationship march February to March in 2019. And he had this, this very, you know, really heroic way of helping me out. And again, it didn't feel comfortable. And I was like, well, first of all, a little piece of paper saying this is a loan agreement is not going to count. I had enough background from, you know, work with lawyers and my businesses to be like, if anything was going to go ahead, I was going to have legal advice. So I got that. And surprisingly, my lawyers didn't see massive red flags about that. Um, overall with the process. but it was Sorry, what was, also... what was the agreement, Emma? He'd, he'd ask you to loan him some money, is that right? Yeah, in, in relation to his businesses. So he'd set up businesses in his new name he'd changed to. And this gets kind of complex because there's a lots of web of lies yeah. he's got here. But the, the complexity was that because he'd set up his um, companies, he wasn't actually legally allowed to do that when you've been convicted, which he had been in the past, spoiler alert, and so that meant that he could use that kind of cover of having other companies. And that's how he also got involved with other, with other businesses, which meant that they were, what's the best way of putting it? Um, they saw a new face of him and that, oh, he's, he's able to have documents and loans against that company. So I, in my mind, was loaning to him to fund this next business um, element. And it was to do with a property in Queenstown. And I had legal um, documents drawn up. So it was from, from, from me to the companies and that it was real clear about what that was about. Okay. And that initially looks like it's going pretty well, right? Yep. He pays back the interest that he promised, this beautiful rate, which was for me was all about giving me financial freedom so I could have more time with my kids. I'm a mum of two kids. And at that time, I was running my business. I was, you know, I had mortgages. I had lots of stuff that I was still trying to work through and juggle. And it was, it felt like breathing space that somebody was showing up. And, and first of all, that should have been a red flag in many ways because it, it shouldn't be that easy, even hmm. though you hope that, that, that there's someone going to be there to support you. But I, and I don't know if it was the Cinderella complex, that white knight coming in and helping you out because it, it was never going to be free money. There was always yeah. payments for me with my, my mortgage and it, was, it wasn't like I was suddenly flush with it. It meant a lot to me to put that money in his hands. 
Yeah, I mean, people who have been listening to you for the last 10 minutes or so will already have worked out that you're a pretty strong person, you're a smart person, you've got experience in in the area of money. This wasn't just some sort of um, gullible first-timer who fell in love and and took someone at their word, right? No, and that's the kind of the complexity of it. As I went through the the process of this justice system and I saw that it wasn't just about... Uh, the fact that it it had been a piece of paper or a document. It was the manipulation and lies that go behind it. It's the intent that when you're in a special relationship in that sense, to work and groom somebody at that level. And and I just never experienced anything like that in my life. Like I wasn't brought around around people that lied like that. Um, and, And that was probably one of the targets is because I trust first. And I've learned that's not everybody's default mechanism, but a lot of people it is, particularly a woman that's been targeted by people It's a nice way to be. Stands. It's a nice oh, way it's a to be. it's a great way. And I don't want that to ever in many ways change, but part of that's understanding that we have a range of humans in the world and understanding that they're not always out there to help us mm. um, and making sure that you, I do listen into that intuition and that we all follow into that going forward. So sorry if this next bit is painful to remember, Emma, but um, you, the initial loan looks like it's a success. You get a bit of an interest payment and then presumably you decide to invest some more money. Is that right? Yeah. He came back and was like, I've got this, you know, I, I can help you out even more. I know this is what's going to get you going ahead. So I'd invested 50000 at the start and, you know, it makes my skin crawl thinking of that earlier on because that's, that's money that really wasn't there to give away. Uh, but it felt... You know, it felt safe. I thought there was security against it that my lawyers had found the properties, but they hadn't. I didn't know that, and so it was like, okay, this is this is the next step up. I can do this. He'd also given me, put in front of me without me asking, an elaborate document that was a, a fraud about his financial out- income, and he'd used that several times to to pretend, including with my bank and with a real estate company, when he was looking at buy, getting a rental property. So there was so many layers before that, which made him look way more than he was to build that trust. So then when he came back to me, I was like, okay, this, this still feels like it's going to be a good thing. Um, what would it be like? And I think that's when my mind just went, oh my God, if I could just do this, I could stop feeling so in many ways exhausted running on the treadmill of life, mm. um, going through grief, the, the, the going through divorce and all the other aspects and, and trying to single parent, it was just been a really big decade. And I thought, oh, breathing space, ironically. And so I invested 250000 and extra, so 300000 in total. And that it, it sounds hideous, right? It sounds so much. And But yet I look back at these other people that have been conned out of way more, and I'm like, I dodged a bullet. Huh. And it was... And that's a weird way to think of it, isn't it? Because I lost a lot of money. I didn't lose all of that. And that is because of choices that I made and because of the people that I had around me. So there was one woman that is probably, hands down, the most amazing woman that Uh helped me through this. And her name is Sasha Hope. Yeah. Um, Sasha is, I actually work with her in many ways. We run uh, retreats together, women's wellness retreats. And it was on one of our Nurture Me retreats in Glenorchy, just before I did the next investment that I was telling her about this opportunity and how amazing Andrew had been. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she sat with it and she's like, something's not right. And for the next kind of week and a half, two weeks, 
she went back to her partner and she then brought in good friends of mine, Joe and her husband. And these guys are working behind the scenes to dig deeper than I could. And if it wasn't for her and very much a sliding doors moment, because if it was an extra day, if it was a day before, I could have had more money. If it was a week after, I could have lost everything. And I'm so grateful that she listened to her gut reaction. And what were, they found, were you not were you not a bit of, were you not a bit offended that your friend thought this um this guy who's helping you out might be uh, not legit? Well, at the time, she did it in a way that was very much, hey, I'm just checking in. Um, it was never they never they knew me. If they'd come to me and just said. It doesn't sound right, Emma, you need to get out of this. They were like, whatever, I've got all this evidence, I'm invested. It's this um, sunken cost fallacy, and that comes in relationships as well. People yeah. don't realise the sunken cost fallacy. You stay in these relationships because you're like, it's been 10 years, I can't get out. And I, I've been six months going, well, I've you know, I've gone this far, is it worth me pulling out because they're telling me it doesn't feel right. So they knew they had to have evidence, and that's what they found. So they came to you and they said what? They dug deeper. They found his name attached to the companies that he'd set up and clicked on a link that was like dark, dark web where he'd signed the company's registration and that had his other name, his true name, which is Andrew Tonks. It's the name that is, I guess, part of the reason why I'm speaking out there is so that people can make sure they Google the right names, <laughs> names, plural. Yeah. And that when they found that, they then were straight away able to see what I couldn't find, even though I tried to Google him, which was his uh, the, the fact that he'd been in jail for fraud. Like that was the first thing they found. And then his Facebook page. So, yeah, not it was pretty quick that they had able to uncover it. And then they were like, how do we protect her? That was very scary for them. And I remember talking to my friend Joe, and she was like, she went down a dark web of like, he's going to murder her. This is going to be like, mm. um, oh, she'd seen probably too much true crime, I think. But it was very, <laughs> very, very scary. And, and I was just like oblivious like everybody else around me my family found out before me because they didn't know where it was at my brother who's on my trust and then I found out on April the 9th and that was the day from hell the day from hell (laughs) (laughs) this has all happened pretty fast because April 9th is the day you found out but is it also the day that you transferred the money April 8th, it was literally the day before where I was like, okay, this is all going smooth. Wow, what an opportunity. I wake up the next morning and my friend Joe is messaging me and being like, can I come around? I'm like, no, nah, I've got work to do. I've <laughs> got things to get on with. She's like, uh, I need to talk to you. And, I was like, and then she sends the article through. And at the first thing I'm like, that can't be real because if it's real, then that's not, that is not good. <laughs> and then she basically pops up in my house and suddenly is like, it's real, Emma. Have you not seen the article I've sent you? And I'm, my, my, my heart drops into the abyss. It is just the most oh, awful boy. feeling. And I remember, and I even talking about it now, and, I, and I, I knew this interview was coming up, and I have thought and I've sat with it, and I have cried again because it still is part of this process. And it's like he will never realise the impact he's had, even though it is three years on and I am in the best place I've ever been. It's because... He turned my life around in one moment. But it was that day that I fought my butt off and I'm so proud of the actions that I took because it, it, it was the make or break day. So, okay, and just to recap, you've suddenly realised that the person you're in a relationship 
who you've just loaned $300,000 to on his word uh, is actually mm-hmm. a convicted fraudster and you've got to decide what to do. So what do you do? I fight. I fight like I've never known before. And that is, I guess, come back, comes back to the background I have. And while I'm a physio, part of my work that I've been doing the last decade plus is stress and resilience training. So ironically, I had the best toolbox. I just didn't know that I had to put into action in that moment. And one of those things that came through was this mindset shift around if I could get myself into the mode of learning what fighting was, then it would get me to unfreeze and to take one step forward. And so I chose that day sitting on the side of my bed. And I remember it so clearly, this feeling of going, nobody does this to me. Nobody gets this power. I will fight and I will protect my family and myself. And that's what drew me me through that whole day. And it was the day that I started to uncover more lies. It's the day that I I realized that I had to pretend that I didn't know who he was until I had to yeah, to to move forward and you arranged I, you really, arranged to meet him, Emma. Yeah, well, it wasn't like let's go have a coffee over this and turn <laughs> it over. Um, before that, I had had my um, several things happen, and it's all more in the con in the con podcast. But the the key things were that I found out from the fraud department at, at the amazing Bank of Westpac. I'm not trying to plug them; they're not endorsing me, but they had, were amazing at that time. And they were like, "You've actually got two options. We've managed to freeze the money because of the steps that we did in, in that morning, but you either have to wait for the police and to get on board, which was weeks away." and part of the battle with that process. And then the other option was to get him to hand it over and to transfer it over by, and the only way that was going to happen was in the bank. And I was like, I only have one option. So I chose to go to the bank, convinced him that uh, I didn't know who he was and that my family had found out, pretended I was a victim, and I got him there. And it was one of the most awful moments of my life, but I was like, I'm going to fight. There's some other words I used in that moment, Uh and it got me through... And yeah, and then he transferred 200000 back that day because that was the only amount that I could freeze. But I still managed to get more money back over the next few weeks. Not a massive amount. Uh, he still owed me a lot more. But hang on, you, but... you, convinced, you convinced a fraudster who had just managed to convince you, <laughs> you convinced him to give, back, give money back to you. That is why it is conning the con. And I'm not (laughs) saying that I'm a a con lady or anything. It's like I just figured out that there was a different game to play. And I didn't like it. You know, it was not a nice sensation, but it was about taking power back. So I can turn it in any way I want. It was that I learned that to fight, I had to actually figure out by moment by moment what it looked like. And the police weren't able to be involved. For There was so much going on. The crash shooting had happened. There was less people in Queenstown to help with white, with this kind of collar crime. And, you know, if it had been a, a sexual abuse or a break-in, they would have been there straight away. They would have been. But that was several weeks in many ways. And not weeks, is like 10 days before I could really get to, to work with a detective. And, but... I had overall, the police were amazing. They're just constrained by what the resources and the things that they have. Um, And they were able to build a case. But unfortunately, Andrew managed to leave the country. We had a border alert out on him. And that meant that when he uh, did leave the country, we knew. But the arrest warrant wasn't in place. And so that was the next two and a half months. Man, that must be so frustrating. 
it was just exhausting, you know, being in that survival mode and, and having to lie and protect myself and not tell people what was happening because if I did, he could find out and then I wouldn't get any of the money back or more, you know, trying to play this game. And he wrote this whole web of lies, this Tonka trilogy, which is just like this, it's hard to explain. He just went dark, dark into this place of like, if I'm lying this much, I'm going to go really crazy and pretend yeah. I'm a secret spy agent. Um, so, so many things came up from that, but I knew that in, unless I could get him back in the country, then there wasn't going to be really a way. There was talk of bringing in um, Interpol, which I think yeah. is crazy that it was part of my life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let's bring Interpol in. And bring the, yes, you're feeling like Carmen, Carmen San Diego at this point. Pretty and, much. Did you ever get, like, did you ever confront him or, or let him know that you knew or were you, did you keep no. the, the ruse up? I mean, presumably you broke Not up with him at some point. <laughs> You'd think that. Um, I, I never saw him from the day of the bank. So huh. I basically had to say to him, yeah, never saw him after that. I pretended that life was happening, busy, and and I never talked to him on the phone. It was only via messages. So he knew things were up, but he didn't know how much was up. And I would never get on the phone with him, and I just protected myself. And in many ways, when I brought my sister, Sarah, who's in London and, and the co-producer on the podcast into it, she, she ended up being the person that would help me sometimes write the message back to him because we were just, it was so exhausting having to be like, oh my goodness, you are just lying to me. I know you're lying to me. I want to scream down the phone at you. But if I do that, I risk everything and I don't want to risk justice. I don't want to risk getting money back. But if at any point my emotional or mental well-being was going to be broken, I would have given it all up. But um, I got through in many ways. And he flew back into the country in June and I managed to convince him to come back. And I don't know why. He, and there was other things going on. He was still trying to work on other cons. Yeah. But he, and I remember him messaging me from the phone, like the plane where they could do Wi-Fi. And he's like, um, I'm just worried about coming into the country and, um, you know, what if something's happening there? I'm like, why would anybody be waiting for you? And I'm like, <laughs> 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 and I didn't believe that he was coming, but then the detective said to me, I've just found out he, Andrew's en route or Tonks is en route and he's landing in Christchurch. And it was like that moment and that day when I just was like, I can't believe it. And all these moments, it was just very weird that it, it fell into place where he got arrested and then the work started because the justice system is so mucked up and it's so exhausting being at the other end of it because it's it's focused on the offender and no not on the victim. Like I'm I'm lucky that I had the resources and tools that I did, but for the women and men that go through that, like I feel for them. I feel so much that that there is there's lacking in our in our society and what we should be doing to help that out. He was arrested, put on trial and convicted. Yeah, he pleaded guilty finally after about, I think, almost eight, nine months of being, or maybe not that much, no, six months of being in reprimand. Yeah. And he knew from the background, if you stay in reprimand, then that, that equals double the time off your sentence. So if he's in there for like six months, it takes a year off a sentence. So when he finally pled guilty, the two years and four months, I think it was, that he got sentenced for, he'd already pretty much served a year of that. Mm. And it meant he came, got out, you know, earlier. And when he got back out, he straight away was offending and broke his parole terms. But our justice system 
did not bring him back into it. And I remember getting the call on April Fool's Day. It was so ironic because he'd been online dating straight away and lying about who he was when he came out. And they they said, we've brought him back into jail, reprimand, and then we've released him the same day with, you know, conditions that we're not going to be okay with this behaviour. I'm like, what is the consequences in this country? Yeah. And who are they protecting? And he was supposed to pay back a lot of money uh, to me and he went back to the high court. I think it was on the next court up and I didn't even know this was happening. So I got the letter saying, just so you know, the amount that you were to get paid, I think is around $65,000 has now been reduced to 12 and a half or 13. I can't remember now. What? It's never been paid. Yeah. Because it was going to be, um, hardship on the con man on him. And it just, and, and even then, when he got released from jail, never got a cent because he already had victims in New Zealand. And then he can leave our country without paying a cent. He got out, he went back to Tasmania. He'd been working on changing his name again. I've seen that he set up a new name, a new business, new business anyway, under names. And it's like, what have we done? What is, what is the, the justice or the consequence here for con men in our, in our society? And they're, here, they're out there. What is his deal? <laughs> What's driving him? I, Why does he do it, in your well, wait, not, opinion? Uh, yeah, my mind, uh, well, I'm not a psychologist and I can't diagnose him, but there are many sociopaths out there. And when his father said to me on the phone, the one phone call I had with his father, and he said, I think my son's a sociopath, I remember feeling like, but why is he? What did you how did you create him that way? Because as I remember talking to the psychologist and that we had in the podcast, Dr. Sophie Muir, evil is not born, it is made. And they know that from the research around psychopathy, we can be, we can have the, those parts of our brain and they get triggered in our life to become that way, but we're not born that way. And so I won't know. I don't think even he will ever know why he is that way but it's unfortunate that he still gets to behave and there's no consequences. He's back in Tasmania right now, probably doing similar things. Hmm. Hmm. How are you? How How have your last few years been? Uh, It's been a really interesting, amazing roller coaster, and that's crazy to say it. Like the work that I do has blossomed out of it, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to sit with it and be like, I'm grateful, but I definitely don't want to go through this again. I'm in the best space emotionally and physically because I learned what fighting looked like. I learned what it was to rest. I learned what it was to um, release and go through this process and not bury and suppress the emotions. And the science and stuff that I share with people now has been part of the making of going, we just need to do things differently in our society as humans. Like there's, this is such a consequence if we don't step up. And I, I feel like the world and the universe sounds woo-woo will show you unless you change the way that you are living. And um, he was my slap in the face moment where it was like, it's not good enough. And um, for that reason, I'm, you know, I'm in the best place. My family, my kids are growing and blossoming beautifully. Um, I've protected them, but also I feel like they have seen that what it looks like to have, strength, courage, and vulnerability, and that you can't shy away from the pain and that the more that you know that you can be nurtured and supported and ride that wave, but most of us in our society don't know what it looks like to actually go through grief and trauma and feel 
safe and supported. So it's, it comes down to safety. And it's why the work that I do with my business is all about understanding how you get safety in the mind, the body and your emotions. So breathing has been a really big part of it. Yeah, Emma's, um, the only piece. Emma's business is called The Breathe Effect, by the way, if you want to look it up. Um, yep. How's that trust instinct? <laughs> my gut instinct, you mean? Well, your your instinct to trust first, um, you know, and, and I guess just a general question on how, how it's affected your approach to relationships, and that's a big question to ask. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm, I can say I'm happily in a relationship at the moment that has been probably one of the most healing things for me. Fantastic. And, yeah, and knowing that, first of all, I was never going to judge every man by that same person but also that you have to choose to shift and move into that and and ride that roller coaster because it's it's a lot of a lot of unknowns so yeah i feel like the more that we step into this change and chaos and grief the more that you can grow from it um even though these the, these lessons are hard and uncomfortable and painful so yeah i'm i'm the best I've ever been and i love the work that i get to do helping men and women move from fear to courage that's the reality of it i've had this gift of this is what it looks like and I'm blessed to help others Thanks for listening to this episode of Crimes NZ hosted by me Jessie Mulligan and a huge thanks to Emma Ferris for sharing her story Tim Watkin is executive producer of RNZ Podcasts You can find Crimes NZ and all RNZ's great podcasts like the Aotearoa History Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio and many more. It's now also on YouTube. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.